Hey, Sarasota, it's Bob. So it's been a wonderful grind over the past 18 months. We've had some fabulous guests. We've produced over 150 episodes. and We've had over 10,000 listens from you wonderful folks in the greater Sarasota area. It's been a lot of fun, but also it's been a lot of work. And so we've decided to take a little bit of a break until this fall. When you check out other podcasts, you're going to see that most put out a new episode only once a week. We put out two, so of course that means there's twice the work. A lot of show notes, scheduling, guests, editing, etc., etc., etc. So we've decided to take a little break for the rest of the summer and we will resume this fall. And we'll let you know. But before I sign off, can you do me a little favor? Reach out to us via Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Drop us a little note. I'd like to know more about what you want to hear when we resume in the next couple of weeks. That'd be a big help because without you, dear listener, we would not exist. As always, thank you for tuning in. Have a wonderful summer, and we'll be back soon where you can listen, learn, and connect. Good morning, Sarasota. This is the Sarasota Stories Podcast. If you're like me, you get on with your busy life, not really thinking about our local hospital until you need it. It's then you hope you're getting truly superior care. But what I hadn't considered until recently is the incredible role fundraising plays in the quality of frontline care you and I receive. Hi, I'm your host, Bob Williams, and I'm so very pleased to welcome Stacy Corley, president of Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Foundation. In this episode, you'll learn one thing most people don't know about Stacy why she chose philanthropy as a career, what some people get wrong about healthcare fundraising, the tremendous importance Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Foundation plays in the quality of our local healthcare system, game-changing projects she and the hospital are working on right now, and much, much more. Thank you for listening in today. It is my hope that you will listen, learn, and connect. Stacey Corley, president of Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Foundation. Welcome to the Sarasota Stories podcast. Thank you, Bob. I, I kind of surprised, just for our listeners, I kind of surprised Stacey here a little bit because I got two red buttons on my software here. If I push the wrong one, it cuts her off and I go and, and I end the sessions. <laughs> <laughs> so I figure, figure if I, uh, after a hundred of these episodes, I get that right, but, uh, we're recording now. So anyway, Stacy, welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. I appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. Well, I do have to let our listeners know that I've had another Corley on the podcast, which is your husband, Michael. And he is a, he does strategic planning for nonprofits. And that was back in episode 84. So I told him, I said, Michael, I said, it's great getting your wife on here because now I have an A-level guest on my show. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stacy, there's a lot going on at the foundation. You guys have some some big projects going on. It's 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 a big part of Sarasota and funding the healthcare system here. We want to get into all that, but before we do, I get to ask you my favorite question, which is, was one thing that most people don't know about Stacy? Well. I would say most people probably don't know that I played the trombone in band. Um, I look back now and ask myself, 
why did I want to play the trombone? They suggested that I play the clarinet. <laughs> and I, I know, I know why I wanted to play something loud and strong. And not many females were playing those bigger instruments. I did not play the tuba. But um, <laughs> one thing I learned from that is be careful what you ask for, because those weigh a lot. So when you're lugging them in sixth grade on and off a school bus, you're wishing you played the clarinet. Well, I played the trombone, too. I did, too. <laughs> and all I liked was when you did the slide, it just made that. Wow. That's all I really ever learned. And I was probably fifth grade, sixth grade, too. But, yeah, they were with those cases of whatnot, lugging those things around were pretty heavy. So, well, good. Well, I don't think uh, neither you or I are going to get on the podcast here and share our uh, trombone playing expertise with anybody <laughs> right. soon. So, well, that's pretty funny. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Give us your kind of your background and then how you got into philanthropy as a whole and then how you came up, it came to Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Foundation. Well, Bob, I'm originally from Mississippi, a very small town, about 3,000 people, and uh, went to Mississippi State University, thought I wanted to be an accountant, got to my last semester and realized I do not want to be an accountant. But I was so close to finishing, uh, I went ahead and did that. And then every job I would apply for, I actually started applying for pharmaceutical sales positions because I had done a report on Merck in my last semester and thought to myself, uh, this is in 1990, people are always going to need food and drugs. So this is recession proof and uh, nothing yeah. can happen. Yeah. And uh, I couldn't get an interview for anything, they would always say, we're going to send it to the accounting department. And I'm, I would be going, no, don't send it to the accounting department. I don't want to be in that department. Yeah. So I ended up staying to get my MBA. And uh, once I did that, I had a lot more opportunities for positions and um, networked my way. I, I look back now and I see uh, some of the skills I use today. I got on the phone. This is before uh, email even. I got on the phone and and called people from our alumni association who worked in other cities where I might want to live and ask if they knew anybody who was in pharmaceutical sales. And that, that is how I got to someone, yeah. um, got the interview, got the job. And they said, uh, well, this was with Bristol Myers Squibb. And they said, how does Sarasota, Florida sound? And I said, it sounds great. I accepted the job, <laughs> walked into the other room got my F encyclopedia out and looked up Florida and went, wow, that's really far away. I had no idea where I was going when I accepted the job. I, I just knew that I wanted to do it. And so moved here, didn't know a soul, uh, worked in pharmaceutical sales uh, for 10 total years, uh, but called on SMH, actually volunteered uh, in what was 30 years ago called the indigent patient clinic. It's no longer called that. Um, now called the community specialty clinic and it helps uh, under insured or people who can't afford medical help with seeing specialty uh, physicians now yep. is how it's progressed. But um, I moved to Nashville in 95 and moved back here in 03. And at that point I'd become a stay at home mom of two boys who I say, I didn't really stay at home. I was a sort of a full-time volunteer and one of the things I had done, I transferred with the Junior League to Sarasota from Junior League of Nashville. And 
when I was in sales, I never wanted to be on the fundraising side because that's what I did all. I felt like, you know, same skills during the day. Right. Right. And, um, I was co-chairing what was the first cookbook in over 20 years here and went in to talk to somebody about sponsoring it. And I had hoped he was going to say $500. And he said, okay, I'll do $2,500. I was hoped, you know, it was the sales part that I liked, which it's not sales. Fundraising is certainly not sales, but it's the transferable skills of connecting with people with things they care about. And um, so then when I got ready to go back to work, Went to Ringling Museum for two years, was trained through Florida State University Foundation because we were FSU Foundation employees, right. which is higher ed and healthcare fundraising training is the best. So I feel like I got trained by the best. Then went to Ringling College where I had volunteered as a volunteer and had led a separate nonprofit organization, Ringling College Library Association, which puts on an annual town hall program with speakers. I had chaired that in 09 and I'll tell you my lineup because we all say our year was the best, but I had um, Doris Kearns Goodwin. It was Abraham Lincoln's 200th birthday. That oh, wow. year. She talked about Lincoln and the team of rivals. We had, um, this is what happens when uh, <laughs> you age. Let's see. I had Newt Gingrich, yeah. Madeline, Madeline Albright. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Robert Ballard, who found the Titanic, and we ended that year with Gorbachev. So it, it was a great oh, year. Wow. Wow. I'll bet that was a great year. I, I'd love to have a chat with Gorbachev. I I think he's passed. Has he passed? Not yet. He, yeah. He I, not, he's still alive. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, would I love to have a chat with him and say, you know, what was it really like when you and Reagan met in, I think it was Iceland, it was way back mm-hmm. when, you know, talking about yeah. all that. Man. Well, so how did you come to the Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Foundation then? So I was 10 years at Ringling College and progressing roles and ended there as VP for Advancement, which is overall the fundraising and alumni relations. And um, my predecessor here at the Healthcare Foundation announced his retirement and uh, someone reached out. And I used to joke with people, I probably should have started out in healthcare fundraising since my I'd worked 10 years in yeah. in the medical industry. And um, But I learned a whole lot about art. <laughs> In the meanwhile, and uh, came over to the Sarasota Memorial Healthcare oh, cool. Foundation just five months ago in September. So, oh, 2022. But you've been in Sarasota again, you've been in Sarasota how long then? Almost 20 years this time oh, and yeah. four years before. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that basically makes you native. So, because yeah. everybody's from someplace else, and, you know, around here, I'm, I'm always sorry to the uh, native Sarasotans here. You got a good thing going on. So, we all are coming from all different parts of the country. Well, so, so then tell us about, you know, what does the foundation do? Because it's, it's really the philanthropic, it's the funding arm of the healthcare system here. So um, tell us kind of like the different areas that you all fund. Are we, um, we are the philanthropic arm of the hospital system and um, we fund, we have five pillars that we primarily fund, which include education, research, technology, facilities, and most importantly, patient care. So we work with donors who want to make a difference in um, healthcare here, and I describe it as we're the icing on the cake. We add philanthropy to things that um, were already on a strategic plan. You know, there are things the hospital wanted to do, but a donor steps forth and helps make it possible. 
Interesting. How do you, so with you have five different pillars there, then how do you kind of divvy up the funds as they come in? I mean, obviously, you know, you're, you're CEO, so you're part of the strategic planning, you know, executive committee and you do all that, but how do you decide what gets funded and kind of like when? Well, a lot of times donors will make that decision. Uh, I um, am, I am very fond of being donor centric. I think in the end, things always work out, uh, no matter what the needs are for the organization, if you're donor centric. And that means meeting donors where they are, understanding what they care about, matching what they're passionate about with the needs or the opportunities at the organization. So um, there are a lot of people who come and say, you know, I, we have a lot of grateful patients who will say, you know, I was treated here for breast cancer or my husband had a stroke here or someone had um, rehab services. And so they want to make a difference in those areas that actually directly impacted their lives. So that that's the way a lot of donors come to the decision about what they want to help. Certainly, we have people who say use it for whatever the need is greatest. And then in that case, we have a grants committee on our board. We have um, a, a board of 19 right now who are volunteers who, um, who lead our organization. And those board members, um, some serve on a grants committee. Mm-hmm. And we review them based on where we have funds that could be allocated for certain requests that come over from the hospital. And then those are determined through that grant process. I will also say that we do um, accept outside grant applications up to $50,000 from organizations who have some sort of healthcare related uh, need. And primarily those are funded, well, they are all funded to organizations who their mission helps SMH in some way. So for example, Um, the blood bank needed a piece of equipment a few years ago. SMH needs the blood bank desperately. You know, we definitely. Oh, yeah, sure. So that helps us in some way. Um, First step in Sarasota does work with behavioral health, and they help keep people out of our emergency rooms because they're able to work with them out in the community. So it's organizations like that that help relieve some of the pressure that the system might take on without those organizations doing their great work. Yeah. And and I was, I was impressed when I was doing research for this interview, just on your website, you know, the thought occurred to me, if you guys didn't exist, then obviously the funding is not going to happen with all these areas that you have just mentioned. And the extraordinary service that you all provide is the fact that, you know, a cornerstone to any thriving community is really a great hospital. And uh, and sometimes we just, you know, I guess as consumers, we don't really think about that. And when you say a great hospital, it's not only the equipment, the education, but you have to attract the talent too, because, you know, doctors coming out of medical school or wanting a change or something, they're going to want to go someplace where they actually like to live and the funding is mm-hmm. actually there. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting. Yeah, I I will say one of the things we're working on that was always on the strategic plan for the hospital, but I think moved quicker when a donor stepped up with a significant donation to fund our new research and education center. It's going to be built on Arlington and uh, the 
the former building has been demoed and groundbreaking should happen later on this spring, early summer. And that will house what's already happening at SMH. Uh, there's already research happening. There's um, we have graduate medical education. So we have residents in internal medicine and cool. emergency medicine Very and necessary. palliative care. They come from Florida state university. So all these things are already happening, but they're spread throughout the campus. So this will be one location that will house all of that together, as well as a simulation lab, which those sim labs teach not only physicians, but nurses, other staff, how to do lots of things um, by, you know, actual experience on a simulated uh, person. So that's all going to happen in one place. Cool. Which will be fantastic because you got a lot of synergy there. But what you mentioned is recruiting physicians and recruiting nurses. You know, there are physicians who are coming now to Sarasota Memorial Healthcare System. They're coming from academic centers. They're coming from other places where they're they're very interested in t- treating patients and they're elite specialists in what they do. But they're also interested in either continuing to teach students or they want to continue their research. So this is going to be a real um, attractive magnet to get people to come practice medicine here. Absolutely. I mean, and sometimes we forget the doctors again, as they see, they want to live in a great place too. I mean, they like all the amenities that you and I like and, and to be able to attract them. I've also, I've also been thinking recently about the fact, I mean, for example, Starbucks knows how much it costs them to get a new customer any place in the world. So Starbucks is not a coffee company, it's a technology company. And in some regards, I think hospitals are in the, in the same game because of how it's changing and, and the different equipment that you have to really stay up to date on. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people really appreciate that. Yeah, I actually was just down at SMH Venice yesterday. We were doing a tour with a group and uh, someone was asking about orthopedic surgery and there was an orthopedic surgeon, a retired surgeon in the group. And they were asking some questions. And um, I happened to recall that one of the grants that we had given purchased a HANA table, which is a table used uh, for hip replacement surgery. And so, you know, I had two of them. Oh, did you? (laughs) That's awesome. I don't know if I should be divulging that on the internet, but I really don't care. <laughs> it went great, so go ahead. Good, good. Well, and certainly there's equipment that's already budgeted with these new programs and things that the hospital does, but we're able to add extra things and and make an even a great hospital system even better. Well, so, so what do I? What do some people get, actually get wrong about raising funds for the hospital? That you think? I mean, is it is it is it is it you know somebody who sends in a hundred dollars here, a hundred dollars there, or is it the large donations that come in? Obviously, you need those and really to finance some of these large projects that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. You've already mentioned the one down in Venice, but what what do some people maybe get wrong about what it takes to be able to? I guess from your perspective, an effective fundraiser. Hmm. Um, my mind first went to, I'll answer the fundraiser question, but I'll say every gift counts. So a $25 gift uh, in memory of someone or in honor of a caregiver up to a $25 million gift, they all count. And so we need every gift to make a difference. So I, I never want someone to think that the level of their gift doesn't uh, have an impact because it does, you know, collectively 
together sure all does. of them do. Um, what do I think fundraisers in general, not here, but in general, what I am not fond of a transactional approach. And I, what do you find, mean by that? I find sometimes, um, people are transactional. I don't, I don't think donors want to feel like what's happening is transactional. Now, certainly there are transactions that happen. You know, there's things that happen with fundraising teams and, and foundation offices where, you know, People have to process gifts, a receipt has to be sure. sent, you sure. know, the money's deposited. So there are transactions, but I always want donors to not feel like it was a transaction happening. I want them to, to understand the impact of their gift and how they're making a difference and, um, and not feel, I guess, as salesy as, as sometimes it happens. And I have over my history and working, uh, in, in this industry, found that there are some people who are more transactional. Now, I will say, I talked about being donor-centric a minute ago. If a donor wants to be transactional, and I have met those people who, you know, their time is uh, limited with you. They want to spend just, you know, 15 minutes doing this, and this is how they want to do it, and this is what they want it to go for. Then we'll meet you where right. you are, and, right. and we're going to we're gonna make it as uh, efficient and effective as what, you know, that donor is trying to do. But in general, most donors are not that way. They're, they want to be thoughtful and understand um, their opportunities that are there and how they can make a difference and what are the different levels that would make a difference for this particular project. So that's sort of being donor-centric. Um, you know, sometimes you can't be completely donor-centric. I came up with this analogy the other day. Let's say you had someone who said they wanted to paint the main campus hot pink, you know, Pepto-Bismol pink on the building and they were willing to pay for it. You know, we would, we'd talk to the hospital leadership. We'd find out that they're not interested, I bet. And um, at that point, we'd go back to the donor and say, well, you know, it's not in the plan to paint it hot pink. How about fuchsia? Will you go with <laughs> <Yeah>. fuchsia? <laughs> uh, the, Salmon? I they, well, I imagine it's going to stay the color it is. But let's say that that donor it was willing to pay for a fresh coat of paint. And it's something that the hospital was going to do in nine months. And then we can make it happen. So we can't do every single thing that a donor wants to do because it needs to follow what's the strategic plan and the vision for the hospital, but where we can make things happen and be flexible to try to get the donor to a place where they're really excited about what they're doing. Um, and we're excited about receiving their funds to do it. You know, that's when a, there's a perfect match. You know, there's different, obviously there's different um, laws in place as to what donors can do and I would assume it's probably based upon certain industry, but I'll give you an example. Years ago, uh, my mother wanted to give uh, some money to a, a private school in the Cincinnati area where we were. And there was a child that she was aware of that she wanted to fund that child's education. And uh, we'll call her Susie Smith or whatever. And she, and so she, they ended up doing the, tran and the transaction, listen to me, the, she ended up doing the funding. But it was so funny because I was there with her when she was meeting with the administrator who was over that area. And uh, the woman said, well, Mrs. Williams, we're going to do everything we can to make sure that Susie Smith gets this. But she could not tell her that because it's the laws wouldn't allow it. 
because she had to right. give to the general. So, so I don't know how the in the healthcare industry how that works as far as funding. I think you probably have a lot more latitude because it's not going to individuals; it's going to particular projects. Right, and going to programs. Yes, yeah. you're right. For a scholarship, for example, at, at working having worked at a college, um, you know, if a grandparent wanted to pay the tuition for their grandchild and wanted to do it as a donation, you you can't do that. You can't do that. Um, but you can create scholarships funding, and then it's up to the institution to select the recipients. Yeah. What's a typical day for you look uh, look like? I mean, you, throughout the year, you have, I don't know, half a dozen or so big events that are fundraisers. Of course, that's, mm-hmm. you know, in the media and you can you can see that. But what's a typical day for you look like? Well, um, besides doing I, podcast interviews, yeah, um, I would say some meetings in the office, usually a meeting or two or more with donors outside the office. Sometimes it's giving a tour of an area at the hospital or meeting somebody for lunch or coffee, along with staff meetings. Um, some usually at least sometime in the week, there's a meeting with my board chair or another board member. And um, sometimes there's uh, evening events that may not be ours Mm. or they could be ours Um, and, you know, going to other events in the community. So why does there there are so many foundations in philanthropic options in Sarasota? What do you find is the, I guess, maybe main reason why somebody will donate to your foundations compared to, to some others. I mean, I actually, I have a good friend that uh, I know the answer to that too, but I, I, but what have you found is, you know, why the hospitals compared to spark or one of the other organizations in the community? Well, Bob, you're right. We live in a community that's filled with lots of fantastic nonprofits, probably more than most counties in the country, actually. And there are so many good options. Uh, And I usually say if people move here and say they're bored, then they're just not trying because there are a lot of ways you can volunteer, support, get get involved with nonprofits in our community. Um, One of the reasons that I was really excited about coming to Sarasota Memorial Healthcare Foundation is the impact that SMH has on our community. It affects so many people. you know, and I feel like our team's work can affect and really change lives astronomically because, you know, there are so many patients that come through here annually. Um, we have over 9,000 employees at SMH, so we're the wow. largest employer in the county. And so just by that alone, that tells you that we're impacting so many people every day. And, um, Certainly there are other good options, but I'm, I'm really loving being in a place where I feel like, you know, people can say, well, I'm going to go up north to my hospital if something happens to me. Right. We're bringing so many renowned experts here that I heard the story the other day. Someone was in Boston and the physician there said, well, you do know the expert for that is in Sarasota. So, you know, you're not cool. going to take an ambulance probably up north either if you're in an emergency. <laughs> so we really impact so many people here. Well, I, I think that, I think that's incredible. Um, you know, I guess, testimony to the direction of the hospital and together with that, you've already mentioned some of the big projects that you all have going on. You've already mentioned the new facility down in Venice. 
Um, you also are doing, let's see here, you doing have a new cancer research center. I think that's the Brian D. Jellison Center. And then you cancer. have the behavior. Yeah. And then you have the behavioral health center, the Cornell family. Yes. Talk about, so talk about those three things. How do you, I guess, how do you plan for something like that? And then are you working with the build out and David Verinder, who's the CEO of Sarasota Memorial? How does that, what does that look? You have these big projects going on. What role do you play going forward besides just providing the money? Well, our team, there are different people on our team at the foundation who work with hospital leadership on all these things. So it's anywhere from looking at, uh, events like topping out Venice, the new wing at Venice, we're adding another hundred beds because oh, wow. it's already at capacity. Uh, the topping out will be in April. And so we'll be there with some donors who have um, supported the Venice, new Venice hospital. Um, so it's anything from that to uh, helping order donor signage and knowing where the signage is going to be. We work with uh, the folks in those areas to understand to see renderings so that we can share the vision with donors and they can see what it's going to look like or what will happen in there. So the Cornell Family Behavioral Health Pavilion will open late next fall. We're really excited about that because it'll be across the street from Bayside, which is a 50-year-old facility. And this will be a brand new facility that will have inpatient and outpatient programming there will be a child and adolescent unit, a geriatric unit, an adult unit, and an acute unit, as well as wonderful light-filled spaces that will hopefully be um, a comfort when patients come in for behavioral health needs. And then you talked about Jellison Cancer Institute. We're going to be building the Outpatient Cancer Institute, which will connect over to the, the new tower that opened a year ago. Mm. And that will put together all the outpatient things that cancer patients might need. So there will be some ORs there. Um, the Breast Health Center will be there. There'll be some physician offices there. There'll be radiation oncology. We opened just over two years ago, radiation oncology up on university, but we'll also have some radiation at um, the new pavilion as yep. well as um, infusion there for chemo and, and things like that. So, I tell you, I, I'll, I'll tell you a little quick story about the Jellison Please. family. When when they made the decision to uh, contribute such a significant gift to name the Cancer Institute, it was because they realized they they had the ability to travel wherever they wanted to travel to get sure. medical care. Yep. But they thought about people who didn't have that ability, or people who were sick and and couldn't get on a plane, or you know, couldn't fly to another state to get their care. And they wanted to bring cancer care home. They wanted patients to not have to drive, you know, more than 30 minutes or an hour to get help and um, have a better success rate by not having to travel and go through all the things that many people have to do. So that's made a remarkable difference. But that's some of the things that will happen in the outpatient center, which um, – We'll also have integrative care, things uh, like acupuncture, massage, things that are also good to help patients as they're healing. You know, I'm I'm actually on your website right now. And uh, just for our listeners, it's smhf.org. But if you go there, you'll see some of the donor stories. And you have Janice and Ralph Schrader. You have Donna and John 
Basia, I guess is her name, Basha, Bob, uh-huh. Basha and Bob and Joan Geyer. And just some wonderful stories about just kind of the, it's what, it's what I've always said about, you know, Sarasota is just a giving town. And there's so many people like them that are, they're making an incredible difference in the community and just making it a, a wonderful place to live with a, you know, great lifestyle. It's just not all the, the sun, sand and palm trees. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but you got a, you got a lot of stuff that's going on right now, which is just going to add to all that. Well, but what is Stacy excited about right now? You know, I'm getting close to my six month mark. So, um, I'm really excited for the journey. You know, there's, this is a great organization and, you know, I stepped into a place with a team of professionals who I'm excited to get to know all of them. So I've spent the last five months getting to know my team as well as the leadership at the hospital and physicians at the hospital and other staff at the hospitals and primarily donors too. So it's been fun to meet new people who I didn't know before, learn what they're passionate about and then also uh, learn about how the foundation works. I've not been the president of a foundation before, so mm-hmm. I've learned a lot. And, you know, I, I look at past roles I've had before, and hindsight's twenty twenty. So you look back and you see how that evolved. So I'm excited for the journey. I think there's so much potential um, just over the my the past five years the fundraising really was elevated through the foundation. My predecessor and the team here really elevated how much they were raising and it was significant, you know, huge difference over the long history of the foundation and set some records. And so I think, you know, there are a lot of people who are interested in supporting SMH. Like you said, we want to live in a community that has a fantastic hospital that is a resource and asset to all of us. So it's, it's going to be fun seeing how we continue to connect donors who maybe have already given in the past, but even new people to making a difference here. Well, that's a great place to, uh, to sign off here. Well, Stacy, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today and I would love to have you on in about a year's time to see what else is going on because I, I simply was gratified just by the research of seeing what you guys do and because, you know, we all get busy and on with our day and you don't realize some of the large organizations, which you guys are, the impact that you're having on the on the greater Sarasota area here. And we certainly appreciate what you do. Thank you. Anything, yeah. Anything you want to leave us with before we sign off today? How about how how can people volunteer? There you go. Well, the Holland, the hospital has a fabulous volunteer program. And I know they do um, coming back from the pandemic. They still have great numbers of volunteers, but um, I'm sure it's on the smh.com website where you can choose how to volunteer. They have an incredible role of volunteering. We have less opportunities for that, but certainly attending yeah. events. We I did not mention those. Uh, we had a record-setting gala this year, netted over $1.5 for cancer care. Wonderful. We have a golf tournament. We have other uh women in medicine lunch that's coming up soon. So there are ways that you can support uh, through attending some of those. And you can certainly call our office uh, 941-917-1286 to find out how you might volunteer. Oh, that's wonderful. I I tell you what, before I sign off, I do want to put a plug in for uh, David Berender. And again, he's CEO of Sarasota Memorial uh, Hospital and whatnot. 
he, I had him on, what was it, episode 87. And we were talking about COVID and, you know, leading, I think it was 6,000 people at the time. Now you're what, seven or 80, you just mentioned. Leading the hospital through not only COVID, but a hurricane. And he was just so, wasn't he, was not dispassionate, but he was just so nonplus about it. And it was just kind of, and he kind of blew me away because I figured, you know, I'd be taking Valium and calling my <laughs> psychologist and all that sort of jazz. But he just, he just, I'm sure he's wonderful to work with and just a very kind of stable, um, uh, source of, of, of leadership and, and uh, just kind of, you know, the two organizations working together to, to, to build all this stuff out. I just, I just wanted to put a plug in for David. Yeah. I just thought, thought he was a really fascinating guy. And it's the only time I ever, ever had a chance to have a conversation with him like that. He is so. great. He is, he's a, he is a visionary leader and, you know, he's built a team around him of people who help, like you said, make things that would be overwhelming for a lot of people you know, it's, it's the work they do. So they're great at it. Stacy, I'm going to let you go. I appreciate you being on the podcast and to all our listeners. Once again, I do appreciate you tuning in and uh, Stacy onward and upward. Thank you, Bob. Hello, dear listeners. This is Bob again. Thank you so much for stopping by. I sure hope you enjoy listening to our interviews as much as we do providing them. If so, would you do me a little favor? Go to sarasotastories.co and enter in your email. That way you'll get notifications of all upcoming episodes. Also, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And remember, no matter where you go, to listen, learn, and connect.